Well, good evening again. I actually had everything ready this time, so we're in better shape. We were looking at, or we had looked at question number two last week, so I was moving us on to question number three. Now this is, um, this is under, well, what, what lesson is this? This is lesson 13, Ruth and Boaz. There we go. And this should be like the last, I think it's the last page in the lesson book that actually has questions on it. So question number three, they're asking, what is winnowing? If anybody... It's dividing the wheat from the chaff. It is dividing the wheat from the chaff. It's to remove the chaff and any other debris from the grain. And they used to do it by tossing it. So, so it would separate and they would keep, uh, so that they could keep the grain from the, the chaff, whatever it was they didn't want. So, all right. So, okay. Um, oh, I answered how was it done. Sorry about that. I have, I have things written down. I just, just didn't think about that. So, all right, so then number four, what was Ruth asking Boaz about in verse nine? If you remember verse nine. To marry her. Right. She was asking for, you, but yeah, that's, that's the end thing. She was asking him to marry her, but, and I, I put it like she was asking him to accept her into his family under his protection as he is. So it's the same same thing, right? In uh, in Ezekiel 16, verse 8, um, God is using similar terminology uh, in relationship to Israel in the way that he's talking about spreading his wings over them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the similar idea of, you know, being taken under... His wing being protected by him, um, but yeah, the, the end thing there was that she was basically asking him to fulfill his obligations as being a family redeemer. Right, and she went to him. He was the one she knew, rather than this. There was another person, as we know, that I don't. I don't think she really knew that person. It didn't seem like so. I don't think that she knew about it. It's, I think it's later that Boaz figures out that there's someone closer, and he said he says that, but. Uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely that uh, with like spreading spreading your wings or your cloak to cover someone. That's a uh, that's a theme that we see where God also covers us in that way. Let's see. So number five, what was there about Ruth that greatly impressed Boaz? And that was one thing she did have. She went, she worked, and he even mentioned something about that to her. At one point, he knew how she was taking care of her, her uh, mother-in-law and that she was working in the field and gathering for them. Okay. Is there anything else? Yes, Eileen? Yeah. I thought Eileen... Well, I think he was older and more established. I was going to say the same 
Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, she did not pursue. I, I even put down that she did not pursue like one of the younger men that maybe she could have. Now, I don't know how many relatives they had around that she could have pursued, but she didn't do that. And, uh, let's see. But I kind of wonder the, the well being of Naoma more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, she was, well, she was, yeah, she was, she had that virtue, that honor, and that, that good heart about her, it seems like, to take care of her. Yes, Pam. I was going to say, similar to that, um, she wasn't just thinking about herself, she was thinking about Naomi because um, if she'd gone for a younger man, he might not have been as well off to take care of the two of them. Well, that's true, too. And they were together. They, they yeah. didn't want to be separated. Right. And I think that Boaz, being a relative, honored that. He seemed to, from what we what we read. And he, yes, Kim. Right. So in her relationship, she was with Naomi. She was trusting, being guided by Naomi, and she was, you know, getting direction from Naomi and what to do because this was not her country originally and not originally her people. So she didn't know all the things that Naomi knew. So that's true. But they, they had that relationship where Naomi knew. I mean, on the one hand, she was trying to look out for Ruth, too, because she said, I'll try to get some security for you for your future. But that was for both of them. It was of mutual benefit. But still, she was looking out for Ruth as well, I think, from the way it reads. She may not know all the customs. She had been around around them in Moab for a while, but she hadn't lived in Israel, in Bethlehem until now. So she may not have known all the customs and everything as a, we'll say, a native would have. As a normal person that would grown up there would. Let's see, so, okay, um, question number six. Does Boaz seem careful to preserve the reputation of Ruth? Now, anyway, what do y'all think? Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, so how would his caution tend to protect Ruth from the risks to which she was exposed? Now, this infers some things that I don't necessarily agree with because it says by Naomi's indiscretion, even though her indiscretion was well intended. I'm not sure what they're thinking of was an indiscretion. At his feet. Right. So uh, I I kind of think that was a tradition or a something that was done in those days. I don't know. Just what I get from Ruth having her do that. Right. So Yeah, Josh. Boaz was oh, careful to preserve the right. reputation. Right. Yeah, um, from 
from what I studied, a lot of times servants would sleep at the foot of their master's bed so that you know if the master needed anything in the middle of the night, the servant would be right there ready to get up and get it for them. And so the fact she's approaching Boaz in a position of humility as a servant. Um, I didn't read this as any indiscretion either. I, I think the reason that Boaz told her not to say anything is because he wanted to make sure that he approached this guy and explain the situation to him fully without rumors getting around that she had already requested some that Boaz redeem her. So he wanted to, I guess he didn't want to cut any corners is what I'm saying. So I don't think it was anything about indiscretion. I think it was just he told her to keep quiet so he could do things through the proper channels. So right. that's the way I interpreted it. And that, that's how I thought of it is that it wasn't so much that they did anything wrong. It's just that he knew there was someone else he had to go through a proper process to get that, you know, to get this accomplished correctly in everyone's eyes. Yes, Kim. Right, and she brought her the barley saying that Boaz said, don't go back to Naomi empty-handed. And then, yeah, she said he will not rest until this is settled today. So that's what Naomi said to Ruth. But yeah, I don't think there was any real indiscretion there so much as maybe they were doing something slightly out of turn. But Boaz was the guy they knew, and he was, he seemed like a nice, honorable man. We know nothing about the other person. And uh, so they already had a relationship at this point with Boaz for at least some amount of time. So not necessarily anything out of order in that. Do anyone have anything else on that? All right, so here they have a very open-ended number seven question. Describe the character of Boaz, just based on what we read, what would you say? First thing I said there was a man of great wealth. Right, says he had, he had money, okay. Wise man. Wise man, okay. He did seem like a, a wise man, yeah. He was kind. He was kind, Eileen. He was very considerate. Right. Yeah, he was considerate. He was considerate of Ruth and Naomi's position and how they were, what was going on in their lives. He was righteous. He, said to he the was reapers, righteous. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. They answered him, the Lord bless you. And then that was how he greeted them. So yeah. he was a man of God. That was something I noticed, too, and I thought, you know, somebody who appreciates their workers and their workers actually appreciate them back, that tells you a little bit about that person. Generally, that's going to be a pretty good person, you know. If you 
think about the time period that this took place in, that it was during the time of Judges when Israel was morally corrupt and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It says that in the very beginning of Ruth. Um, and the fact that a lot of Israel was suffering from famine, which is why Naomi left in the previous time, and so they were Israel was behaving badly. For him to be wealthy, have good harvests, um, even when Ruth was was garnering from his field, like he was making provisions as commanded in Leviticus and Deuteronomy for the widow, for the foreigner, for the poor. So it shows that he cared about the commandments and he was following them. It it does. All those things show that he was following the commandments, which is good, and that's probably why he was prospering. I mean, that makes the most sense. Anybody have anything else? Okay. All right, so then we have chapter 4. Okay, so chapter 4, I'm going to read this. It's uh, 22 verses. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by, so Boaz said, Come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there was there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Now that was the other guy, not Boaz. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and all that was Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, 
because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of, Je of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ron, uh, I guess, is that Ram or Ram? Uh, anyway, Ram begot Amenadab. Amenadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, Bo and Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So we look at question eight. Now, what was necessary for Boaz to do before he could marry Ruth? He, he had to redeem Naomi and her, right? So why did he have to redeem them? Because Elimelech died, but also they have a, a law. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, and this is one example, I think it's somewhere else, and there's probably a longer example, but this is going to be a short example. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and, perf and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So, from what we see here, this was a law, and they must have extended this out beyond just brothers because we know that these guys appeared to be like cousins to Elimelech. Maybe Elimelech just had no brothers, so. So it became closest relative, right? That's the way it seems. So they did it because, really, basically because God told them to, and Boaz was that kind of guy. <laughs> so that was good, right? I think he was like, Yeah, I think he, I th I think he was interested in Ruth anyway, so I think that was okay by him. All right. Um, question nine. What two transactions are bound together in verses one through six? Yeah, there was the there was the redeeming, uh, but there were witnesses to the proposal. 
Yes. And then the relative giving his sandal was a contract. Right. I think what they were trying to get at was uh, when Boaz was talking to this guy, I wish they I wish they had named him because I don't know his name. <laughs> but anyway, um, when when Boaz was talking to this guy, he says, when you redeem this land from Naomi, you also have to redeem Ruth. So there was two two transactions going on there. Yes, Pat. You know, by the reading of uh, the relative being the brother, it sounds like Naomi's husband was a brother to these two men. Elimelech, Na Naomi's husband, was a relative, but it doesn't say they're I, brothers. I know it says brother, though. Does it say they're brothers? Where's that at? Uh, so I may have missed it. I'm not beyond that. We were reading it, I saw it. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, if that's the case, uh, this was Naomi's two brother-in-laws that were making a transaction who was going to get rid. And the first, the Boaz must have been the younger brother because it's always the oldest brother gets first choice. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, that was part of what he was saying that. The other guy was the closer relative. Now it doesn't. It doesn't. I didn't. I don't remember it saying that they were brothers, but it does say that he was the closest relative, and that Boaz was the next in line. So, um, all right. So in question ten, why did the near kinsman say he could not redeem the property? mess up his own inheritance if he had to get the property and Ruth. Right. Now, what did he mean by that? Because he did say just that. He said it would mess up his inheritance. He may have already had children. He may have already had a whole family. Right. I mean, he could have. When he thought it was just land at first, he was all fine with it. So it was when Ruth was introduced as part of the deal that he thought it would complicate things. So just from reading it, I don't know exactly what he meant. Maybe the fact that he would have, he was supposed to have a kid with Ruth would mess things up with the way that he already had things set up to divide it. Maybe it was just more of a hassle, but either way, he didn't want to do it. Yeah, what... The one thing, the one thing I understood from what I read about this was that if he married Ruth, their first son would technically be counted as Malons and he would actually inherit the land. This guy wouldn't get to pass it on to any other kin or his family because the way their land laws were, like uh, when it says Naomi sold the land, she didn't really sell the land. They leased their land and it came back to them every seven years. So that land always stayed in the family. I don't know what they did if someone actually, if a whole family actually died out, but um, by and large, that's the way their laws worked. You know, every seven years, everything, you were out of debt, everything was cleared up, and the land returned to whoever owned it, and you could release that land right back to the same person if that was your, your want, but. Anyway, um, 
But in this case, I thought I thought his um, probably his main thing, just from the way it's worded, is that he wouldn't make any money on that. He wouldn't make much on the land or on the deal. So he was like, well, and then he couldn't leave it to his kids, assuming he already had a family. If he did, then he wouldn't be able to share that with them. So it would be complicated. And there may be other reasons. There might have been other things going on in his life that we don't know about. So. Do you want to have anything else on that? Yes. Leviticus 25.25, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor he has to sell some of his property, then his nearest relative is to come and buy back, redeem what his relative has sold, or in case a man has no relative to redeem his property, but he has become more prosperous and has enough to buy it back, then he shall calculate the years since its sale and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it, and so return to his ancestral property. And this is part of those laws about that, yes. There's a, yeah. There, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to all the laws and the way they deal with all that. Originally, some of our laws, as far as usury and stuff, was based on those laws. But loosely, I know, not perfectly, but loosely. Anyway, um, okay, so 11, question 11, what was the significance of removing and handing over the man's shoe? And they do give us a verse, which I have here if I need to. It, it was essentially a way of publicly signifying that they both agreed to this deal. Like, and if you go to yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 25, it, it spells out, like, exactly what they're supposed to do when it's concluded. But basically, if you're passing up on the redeeming, you do this sandal handoff or whatever, and that's supposed to signify that this contract is sealed. So. Well, that is basically meeting at the gates like that. That's how they did their business, right? So... And what it says here in Deuteronomy 25, now I have verses 7 through 10, not 5 through 10, but basically, but if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, and this is just telling us one part of the equation, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall, and his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal removed. Now, this is kind of a, implying that it was kind of shameful to not, you know, look after your own family and not take care of your brother's wife and all that, you know. And, and that's understandable for back then. The whole thing with the shoe, I really don't get that well. But that's, that's the law. That's the rule they went by. So, 
Yeah, it's a symbol, and I don't know how a sandal became a symbol for this, but yeah, it's a symbol of uh, of the the contracts, like Pat's saying. It's a, it's a symbol of you're supposed to have an agreement there. But in this case, uh, this just refers to if he turned her away, but Boaz, I guess, was there to uh, accept her, so they, they didn't have to go through all of this. Oh, really? I, I didn't remember that, but okay. Yeah. I, that's, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that might still be a bit of a custom there. Oh, um, yeah, she was saying that when they tore down Saddam Hussein's statue, that they were throwing their shoes at, the, at his statue. And that might still be a, a bit of a custom there over in the Middle East to do that sort of thing. I don't know. So, that. I wouldn't be surprised anything they did, because he was not well-loved, as we know. All right, so, question number 12. What purpose was served by the ten men of the elders of the city? Right, they served as kind of a council or leadership, but... Specifically here, what was what was their purpose? You think to witness. to witness or kind of officiate, kind of both at the same time, right? They were so there'd be no dispute, and they would know that the transaction took place. There would be plenty of witnesses. Uh, I imagine back then, considering what they didn't have, you would you would want witnesses for every transaction. Now, verse uh, question thirteen. What blessing was pronounced upon Ruth by the people? Right, that she would be blessed to have children like Rachel and Leah because they are looked on as the mother of the mother, I guess the mothers of the tribes of Israel. Is that the best way to say that? I think that's the best way to say that. But now she's in the lineage. The baby is in the lineage of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Uh, Obed, let's see, I guess he would be, well, anyway, yeah, he's in the lineage because he's David's, is he David's grandpa or great-grandpa? Oh, Grandpa. He's Grandpa Obed. So there you go. So yeah, that, that's good. I mean, it's interesting to see who God used for all these things, you know. Let's see. So, okay, why did they refer to Perez? And they do give a... They do give a uh, Reference to this, which I have here too, but does anybody remember that? All right. Well, if you look in Genesis chapter 38, I'm going to read a few verses plus the verse 29 they stress. <clears throat> now it came, I'm starting in 27. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth, and this is uh, Tamar that's giving birth if I remember correctly. Um, tw behold, twins were in her womb, 
And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying, this one came out first. Then it happened, he drew back his hand that that his brother came out unexpectedly. And she said, how did you break through this breach be upon you? Therefore, his name was called Perez, meaning breach or breakthrough. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zerah. Now, um, let's see. So, I, I looked at it this way. Looking back on the uh, story of Tamar and Judah, where uh, Judah did not want to give any more of his sons to, to Tamar because they kept dying. And he felt that was a bad sign that if he gave his youngest son to her, that he would die as well. So they, they withheld doing this, this duty from her. And uh, so, but Boaz was doing correctly and rightly by redeeming Ruth, unlike how Judah treated Tamar. And then Perez was the firstborn of Tamar for Judah's son. Um, and I forget the name of that son of Judah right now. But uh, so Obed became like Perez in that sense. He became the, the firstborn son to uh, Malon. It's a comparison. It's. Do you want to have anything else on that? All right. So what did the women say about Ruth? What did. What? There's two parts to the 16th question. I'm on four. Well, okay, that was 13. It said, why did they refer to Perez? So we're on 14. Oh, okay. I thought he was on 16. Unless I jumped. No, okay. No, it's okay. 14, what did the women say about Ruth? Better to you than seven sons. They did say that to Naomi, didn't they? And uh, I put down, too, that, uh, let me see, because I put down that, too, they had said that she would give him more children. I was reading that as being part of the blessing, I suppose. Oh, I'm still in Leviticus. Sorry about that. She found a redeemer, and Naomi was a restorer of life and a sustainer in her old age. Right, and they do they do mention too that uh, they do mention too that Ruth loves Naomi. It's not um, it's not something that uh, they all they all seem to know that Ruth and Naomi really care about each other. So, so they do mention that too for your daughter in law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. So, um, chap. Uh, I don't know why I don't want to say question. Question number 15. What consequences did Ruth's marriage have for, for Naomi? Yeah. 
in verse 15, uh, he would be sustained and he would obey. Right, so she had a grandson and became his nurse. And the way one of them said this, let me find that real fast. Huh? Yeah, but the way one of the women said this to uh, Naomi, because they were talking about this grandson. They are saying uh, in verse 14, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a, and my translation says, close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. Now they were referring to her grandson. But another translation for that, according to my footnote, was that he would, he would be her redeemer, like in her old age, like you're talking about, because they do continue to say, may he restore you know, be a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. So, and they also had the consequence that, of course, uh, Naomi was not destitute or um, on her own, really. She Now she had a family again, in a way. Maybe not the same as what she had before, but... Okay, so question number 16. What famous men descended from Ruth and Boaz? And we know, we've already talked about that. We know that's Obed and Jesse and David. And then part number two, who else was descended from them? Jesus. The Christ, Jesus, was also descended from them. I'll tell you what, we will, let's answer this one last question, okay? Question number 17, what does the book of Ruth add to our understanding of the period of the judges? If anybody wants to give a quick summary. We need to trust in God to take care of us. Right? We, we can trust in God. It, it shows... I was relating it to today's time. It shows that there were good and honorable people living then, even though they were, overall, as a nation, we know they were going astray a lot, right? We know they were having a lot of troubles. But these people were following God, being blessed by God. They were good and honorable, living with virtue, even in those times when a lot of their other people were not with God. How's that? That's probably a good way to say it. And they were being blessed for it, and God was watching out for them and blessing them for following Him. Yes. So basically, if we follow God, God will take care of us, even when everyone else is doing something else. That's that's essentially, I guess, it, right? So I put out the other books that we can use for next time, and we'll get started on that next week. So thank you for your time.